After four days of the Women's EHF Euro 2022, seven teams have booked their spot in the main round. We look back at the teams and players that have impressed us most, and we speak to Swedish playmaker Jenny Carlsen about Sweden's impressive start to the championship, IBD awareness with her Instagram account, Athlete with Stoma, and how life has changed for her on and off the court in the last few years, all on today's Uninformed Handball Hour. Chris O'Reilly here with you, and Alex Kulash. Hey, Chris. Uh, Brian Campion. Hello, Alex. Hello, Chris. Two rounds of the preliminary round finished. Another couple of days with a couple of big surprises and a few very impressive performances. I think today we're going to look at some of the teams and players that have impressed us most in the championship so far before we go into the chat with Yeni. And uh, Alex, you're still watching from the comfort of home in Copenhagen with the best internet connection of all. So maybe it's a safe bet for you to get started here. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll get started. And that means I can pick an easy one. Uh, and that yeah. is clearly Sweden. Uh, I, I know we'll get into it a little bit more with Yeni. But for me, uh, they've been incredibly impressive in this championship. And I, I mentioned before that uh, I wanted to see... Um, like, you mean Roberts kind of step up and take that next step as a superstar leader of this team. And that's exactly what she did in that game against Slovenia. So Sweden came out very comfortably 33-22 against the hosts, you know, a Slovenian team that we are all so impressed with. Uh, but Sweden dispatched them. Yamina Roberts got nine goals, four, no, three assists and four steals which is an insane performance and I just felt like she single-handedly took apart the host Slovenia and kind of drained the energy in that arena. How did that feel, uh, Chris? <laughs> well, I think, I think she did exactly that, but her performance was so electrifying that it didn't really matter what it did to the, the three and a half thousand people or so that were in there because she was phenomenal. And like you said, those steals though. And we spoke about... Uh, Nora Merck describing Henny Reista as a gazelle but Yamina Roberts was a true gazelle in defense in particular the way she just sprung out over and over again it was uh, it must have been a really disheartening uh, and almost a bit of a terrifying thing for Slovenian attack it really stunted them in that second half bear in mind though that first half was really excellent handball from both teams like Slovenia it looked like oh maybe they have found that consistency at last maybe they are going to repeat these good performances day in day out and i think in the first half they did everything as well as they could uh amra panzic was amazing in goal but yeah it was the yamina roberts show in defense and all that uh also without a left-hander in the backcourt after nina dano had her lower leg fracture in the first half the way they played in attack was beautiful. There's so much speed in there. They've shifted the focus away from the line players as well, which 
was a real focus for them the last couple of years. Uh, Sweden just looking very, very good. And whatever Thomas Axner has in this grand plan of having nine backcourt players, uh, it seems to be coming to fruition. What do you think, Brian? <clears throat> so you're both going for Sweden as your... Sweden is my my hot team in, in the tournament so far. I think Chris gave some really good reasons. Who, who else impressed you, Brian? Uh, well, you know I love to give lists instead of saying one team. So if you're asking me to give one, I'm going to give you three. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'll give you... No, I, I think off the top of my head, when you said that first to me off air, I thought, ah, oh, it has to be Montenegro. It could have so easily went the other way with Montenegro, but from what I've heard and what we've seen on TV as well, it looks like it's just they're they're really on fire down there. And uh, Jaukovic scored nine uh, earlier today, which is just absolutely incredible. And we've I've said it many times before that she needed a really big tournament, and it looks like this is really it. Delighted for them because that's that's just a, a great great for the tournament overall as well. I think Poland had the probably biggest shock result of the whole the whole event, uh, beating uh, Spain today. And I think Croatia, best bounce back, will be my three. I like that. And it, it, it quite literally is the power of the Montenegrin fans because they, they, the volume of the crowd uh, today in their victory against Germany reached 122 decibels. Ooh. Uh, and that is, uh, I think that's medically oh, unsafe, isn't it? To, let, let me let me find some things to compare 120 decibels. So that that sounds like a rock concert, mm. a thunderclap, or having a chainsaw beside your head. Wow! There you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> other equivalents: a gunshot, a loud alarm, or silence. The, an aircraft taking off was the consistent level of noise the Montenegrin fans were making in that game so that's uh pretty impressive and it obviously powered them to a pretty big win against uh Germany uh, a German team that's I was worried about they didn't impress me in the first game thought they got lucky and they again um it was just two individual uh for Germany so the final score is 29 to Montenegro to uh, Germany's 25 and it was fairly very simple for Montenegro in the end uh, Xenia Spitz getting sent off for Germany made a big difference I think as well she is the she kind of glues things together for that German team she's the one that makes the good decisions in attack and without her it's all a bit too individual uh, with Greisels and Bulk Bulk who had a fantastic game uh, I think scored seven goals, but it's all just two individual. Yeah, seven from 14 shots, though, which is a little bit costly. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, and also they had a, good, a decent goalkeeper performance. Again, Katharina Filter had a good game, I think in the mid-30% save rate, but it, it felt it felt like Montenegro had it kind of in, in their grasp the whole time. Like they always held on to that like two, three, four goal lead throughout the game they looked kind of comfortable they were riding in the wave of the uh the home advantage and then another aspect of of this that has come up is that Jovanka Radicevic has confirmed that she's going to retire after this championship so this is the the final farewell tour for her and all, all of her old places playing so it's uh it's really fantastic and the energy she exudes the energy everyone exudes on that team it is uh 
it's nuts. It is really like it's, it must be really difficult to deal with as an op- opposing player. It's going to be very strange the next year. We won't have Jovanka Radicevic, I and mean, then we won't also have Christina Niagu. So it really is two people who exemplify the EHF Euro will no longer be there. So that's going to be quite, I think, quite an emotional last day whenever, wherever they leave the tournament. You guys have not left me many teams to to choose from <laughs> in terms of who has impressed, but two teams that have uh, picked up uh, the most comfortable uh, victory so far have been uh, in your group, where you are in Skopje, Brian, uh, Netherlands and France. The Netherlands uh, getting double scores over North Macedonia today, and France absolutely hammering Romania 35-21 I would see that as very impressive particularly given that uh you know France didn't or weren't really tested in a way but managed to to get rack up a higher score against Romania uh but you weren't impressed with what you saw in total or is it more the opposition that didn't impress you I don't know what France were thinking to be honest I mean this isn't entertaining at all this is just like this don't be that don't be that good so early in the I mean like come on like people can barely watch it in the hall they're like oh okay we know you're amazing I mean it was just like, like we'll leave it till the end of the tournament will you like you know at least make the game a little bit close like keep yeah five 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 goal cushion or something would be nice but I uh, know but it's their their backcourt is just like ridiculously good like how they move and how, how they, and they're so good at one against one, and then uh, Fopa on the line is just. I mean, there were certain times they just the Romanian players were trying to stop her, and she would just turn, and you could do nothing about it. So she she's just absolutely incredible. But like, and then the players on the bench as well. They bring someone like Kanor who comes on, who must be probably the best person coming onto the ball at speed in the world. Like that's her bread and butter. Just give her the ball, comes on, and just she. Doesn't even wait sometimes to get she gets to the top of her jump, just launches it and it catches the keeper so often um, by surprise. So they're starting backward and then they have those people like that coming off the bench. It's just really, really incredible. And Cleopatra Dallo is having an unbelievable tournament. And we that was a big question mark we had at the beginning of the tournament. Is she going to be able to do it on her own? And she is. And uh, her, her percentage dropped. Come on, Brian. A whole thirty nine percent. That's that's shocking. That is uh, that's very poor. <laughs> she actually got outplayed by uh, her backup goalkeeper Florian Andre with forty seven percent. So uh, a lot of a lot of questions answered from the French goalkeeper so far, at least. <laughs> I think a a a hint to that may be their goalkeeper coach Amandine Lenor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's. <laughs> If they get really desperate, they can <laughs> just 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 in case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're looking good, and that is going to be an exciting group final. One thing that I also picked up uh, in that France Romania game, which I think will be important later in the tournament, and Romania in the second half came out and started playing seven on six uh, to try get back into the game. There are six goals down; they needed to get back in the game. France played a five-one defense against that seven and six this is something that we've seen barca and spain do on the men's side that i've seen uh but of course they have enzaminko as that number one player out in front of that defense and they made a mockery of romania 
in those five minutes that they were trying to play seven six versus that five one defense. Like it was, it was as if Romania were playing seven and six for the first time. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at this level uh, you would just throw on a, a seven and six like that. But it felt like literally. Uh, them trying to figure it out for the first time. They had no idea what to do. And I say that's important because Denmark are, you know, that's a, a go-to uh, move for them. And we saw Norway as well go to seven and six uh, a little bit. So I feel like France have trained for that and are preparing for a game against those top teams and have that counter where if they come against seven six, they're just actually going to destroy the other team with that. That's really it's really interesting because seven versus six was kind of seen as a solution against five one defense and you know you pin two line players in there and then you're going to force the opposing defense back to a 6-0 but France are, are turning the tables completely here and saying you know what if you want to move the ball that slowly then actually we have the players who can cover the entire court and we've got a cell and Zeminko in the middle to make a make uh, your life difficult so yeah that's a that's a nice way to to turn it all around and uh, so it will give some coaches some headaches, that's for sure. I think probably without that really dynamic number one at the top, that whole thing doesn't work. Though. You need to have someone like Estela and Zemenko up there, don't you really, for that to work? I think yeah, the whole, I think the whole team, because also if you take Estela and Zemenko out, who say she gets beaten one against one, then it's uh, then it's seven against uh, seven against five. Then uh, and you're going to have definitely space into the the lines. Maybe we'll see if if they're facing a more sophisticated. Uh, 7v6 that they'll just sacrifice the balls going to one of the wings or something like that um, and pack the defense in a little more in the center so yeah that'll be interesting to see against the uh, the Dutch as well if it happens if they play they will definitely play each other <laughs> no, they'll definitely play each other but if if the if, if 7v6 happens there but uh, I yeah, I think Perry Hannison uh, probably doesn't fancy getting caught by any traps. Uh, yeah, that'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to that one. You're gonna finally get, you're gonna have two very good games at least, Brian, on the the final day in Skopje. Do you see any way that North Macedonia could give Romania trouble? Uh, no. no. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> okay. the, the, Brian's face. The, the the minute that you started like asking that question, one of the least surprising performances of the tournament so far was how Hungarian that performance was against Croatia and I don't think you, you boys saw any of that game at all but it was almost like I mean I actually think the score maybe looked quite good for how bad uh, Hungary played and it was a late flurry at the end really like I mean Croatia were home and dry and Hungary kind of had a bit of a, a late flurry at the end yeah, Katrin Kloiber just, I mean, it was almost like every shot she missed, her confidence dropped by 20%. And then she was missing penalties. Zero from six, Zero right? Zero from six, six yeah. Oof. And she missed a penalty and everything. And it was just, and she threw the penalties way over the bar. And it was just like, uh, I don't know. It's it's almost like when, when times get tough, they really do seem to wilt. And it's, uh, it was even mentioned in the commentary as well that that's, one of their their character traits so it's uh, everyone's catching on to it now these days but it was just it was almost sad because it was like you do see they have a lot of young really talented players who've performed really well at underage world and european championships 
uh, someone like uh, Petra Vamos, for example, who I remember I worked at a under 18s a few years ago and she was absolutely tearing it up and it can never really seem to translate it then to the senior level. And uh, Croatia looked great, actually. I was very surprised by them uh, because I think everyone likes to think that the last year was a fluke, but they did look quite uh, pretty impressive. And um, Valentina... Uh, Blazovic was was great actually I think she's probably one of the most underrated players in that Croatian side and you remember her in the final uh, last time out how she was kind of or the, sorry the, the bronze medal match sorry the bronze medal match last time out she was quite uh, central to that win on that day so she's a, a bit of an unsung hero I think in that Croatian team yeah nine goals in that in nine goals in a 21-18 win is huge. Five assists as well. So she was responsible for 14 of Croatia's 21 goals. That that's has to be right up there wow. in uh, uh records of, of most contri- goal contributions. Uh and of course you have Teo Pivic who uh caught another ball from the wing to get this tournament really started. You know, it's not a yeah. tournament before a catch from she she's become more sassy which is fantastic <laughs> just like even more disdain for players daring to throw the ball at her goal yeah it's uh yeah she, 13 saves 45 percent, amazing she's genuinely very entertaining to watch and almost so entertaining because she doesn't want to be entertaining if you know what i mean Mm-mm. like she'll do something ridiculous and she just kind of has this kind of ex- non-expression on her face telling everyone to calm down and it's just kind of yeah, it's like don't look at me don't look at me but then everyone looks at you because you're just being so cool about it it's just like come on you're just the most ridiculous thing ever and they're telling everyone to calm down I absolutely love it and yeah, I think the last Euro she was kind of a, a bit hesitant about giving interviews in English and that kind of stuff but since then I think her English has improved a lot so she was she was grabbing the mic of Marcia Menino uh, down courtside to give a, a quick interview after the game. Still with Alba Ferovar in uh, Hungary. I don't, I don't know why a team hasn't picked her up in the meantime, but uh, that's a good, that's a topic for another day. So any other surprising or unsurprising things you want to touch on? I've been surprised that Spain have been so bad. And you have to give it up to Poland for an incredible win. Um, first win at the Euros for them. A big comeback uh, being... Uh, 2016 down with 10 minutes to go and turning that around to 22-20 up and the game finished 22-21 to Poland but it's really Spain just not looking good in attack at all and um, it's all just Alexandrina it's just it's all just Cabral in attack for Spain who has to take responsibility that they're, they're just not able to break through or do anything. And that's been, um, it's just been a bit disappointing. Great for Poland though. We, we wondered there if uh, the goalkeeping issue with Sylvia Navarro, who uh, since the last time we recorded, it's confirmed that she has an ACL injury. Uh, if that was maybe like a, a contributing factor, maybe emotionally was, but in the goalkeeper department, uh, Mercedes Castellanos came on, and uh, was almost at 50% saving uh, in the crucial time when they went four goals up. So they can't blame that. But then she got injured as well. So, uh, so maybe she that, that impacted well. them again. But, uh, <laughs> these these goalkeeper injuries. But I just I, just on that, I mean, Poland were, were pretty decent at the World Championship last year. But in a Euro context, this victory is their first win in 14 Euro matches. 
So they went 13 matches at this championship without picking up a victory. And to be able to do it in that manner with a six goal run in the last 10 minutes, it really says a lot. And uh, Kinga Ashruk, as we talked about it pre-championship, going back to Podgorica, the place where she won the Champions League and, uh, and performing like that. You could see how much it meant to her after the game. She was really nice to see. They've... Uh, They've been waiting a long time for this Poland, so uh, good to see it. And uh, yeah, they're in with the chance of making the main round now. Alex, you said it's a bit of a, a surprise, but you actually did predict them to lose all of their matches, <laughs> right, Spain? I did, yeah. So, so, but I think not not everyone did. I think not. A, <laughs> no, not everyone just, did. No, they did not. Um, and another, yeah, Poland are also just last point on them. They're they're so weird because they have such a good defense. They have potentially the best fast break out of any team, excluding Norway and France. And their set attack still sucks. You know, they still only scored 22 goals in this game. Against Germany, they really they scored about 75% of their goals on the fast break or second wave. I think they scored a few more in a set attack against uh, Spain. But it's just, it's super static. It doesn't work. But on like when they're at speed when they're running they're unstoppable so it's it's this weird juxtaposition it is and on that word shall we go into our interview <laughs> our interview for today's podcast is with Jenny Carlson the starting Swedish playmaker at this championship uh, Jenny only came into the Swedish national team last year for the first time and has had a, a long road to the Swedish team uh, due basically to the fact that uh, she has uh, ulcerative colitis, something she was diagnosed with at the age of 18. And she had an emergency surgery in 2018 uh, that uh, constructed an ileostomy. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. I don't think too many people do. And uh, it's something that Yeni is trying to, to fix. Uh, she is uh, doing a lot of work for awareness for IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, with her Instagram account, Athlete with Stoma, and talking a lot about her living life as a handball player with a stoma. She spoke very openly with us about this earlier on today in a, a really interesting interview, as well as talking about Sweden's fantastic start to the championship and looking forward to the Scandinavian Derby on Tuesday. Jenny Carlson, the day after beating the host in Slovenia, uh, two wins out of two, it's a beautiful day here, everything must feel pretty good. Yeah, as you said, we have uh, now two wins and it was important for us and now we're to the next round and we know that we have one more really important game uh, as well, but uh, for now it feels really good and uh, yeah, I think we have played good handball also, so we just need to continue with that. Particularly yesterday against Slovenia, they uh, were set to give you a tough task. You saw what they did against Denmark, I'm sure they shut them down, but it seemed like you had a lot of control over the game and in the second half in particular, the team really opened up. Yes, the the first half well, I think was actually a really good handball game. Uh, it was uh, it was a good fight, and but we had maybe a little bit more energy in the second half and uh, just put it up a little bit higher. But it was a really nice atmosphere, and uh, yeah, the the crowd was it was really nice to play there. No, we know that it wasn't for us, but uh, we can use that for for our to get together as well. I'm sure you've played in these atmospheres a lot in club handball, but internationally because you came into the team. Uh, last year right mm -hmm. so just as things were getting out of corona you played in the olympics with empty holes so was this one of the first real experiences where you've had like a, a really 
proper kind of Balkan crowd against you with the national team? Uh, we had uh, before uh, uh, the World Championship in Serbia as well, and then uh, there are also like the Balkan crowd. But uh, but yeah, we know that it's it's uh, it's special uh, in in countries like this, and uh, it's also what's fun with handball that it's so different the culture, and we need, we have a lot of players here that have played those games, and I have now the the last year <laughs> done that as well. But it's always uh, amazing when it's so many people, and uh, we just get like the that the work we put in, and that we get something back for it. It's really nice. And it feels like the team has developed a lot over the last couple of years as well, uh, particularly in the backcourt. It seems like uh, you know a couple of years ago maybe there was a lot more focus on, on the line players, for example, because you have a great combination of, of pivots in there. But yesterday uh, there's a lot of focus in the backcourt. You have so many backcourt players in the team and it's rotating a lot as well yes. and even with the injury to Nina at right back it seemed like everything worked pretty well with uh, all right-handers in there Yes, especially with uh, with Emma that come in as a right-hander she, she's really good in that position also and I think we have really good back players and players overall that we know that we can trust in when the one we have on the bench we know that we trust them to come in and uh, I think is we have a really good team like we can put in new when unfortunately we get an injury with Nina then we know we can put in someone else uh, so I think we we have a really good team on like every position that's that's good for us yes I'll ask you a little bit about Denmark in a moment but I want to go to a different topic and something that is very close to your heart and in, in building awareness for IBD, something that you're you're living with, and uh, it's been really interesting to to follow your Instagram account in particular on that. And maybe I mean I guess it's best to come from your mouth exactly what you are dealing with and, and what you're living with on a daily basis. Yeah, so I have uh, I have a stoma only for the last four years because I have uh, uh, colitis ulcerosa. Uh, it's inflammation in the colon. So yeah, for the last four years I had the stoma uh, and um, no but I want to like raise awareness for it because I think not many people know what it is uh, and a lot of people are scared of it uh, both the people that uh, maybe will get it but also people that don't know what it is so I think I uh, I really want to have like that role model when I got it that you can continue with your life you can be physical active and like play handball that are really physical uh, and that it have worked really good for me uh, and uh, yeah so that's the main part why I, I do it and to try to raise awareness for, for myself also but also for the people that's uh, that living with it but also like people around because yeah not so many people knows yeah. what it's about and uh, read recently you said you had your four-year anniversary mm-hmm. and uh, there was a really interesting quote in there saying I didn't know what life was going to be like or didn't know what was ahead of me but life has been a lot better mm-hmm. since then and I guess that also counts for handball but four years ago when you were going through this and this was happening was handball anywhere on your mind what did you think after all of this happened that uh, handball had a, a role in your life? Uh, handball has like always been a big part of my life and I think maybe that helped a little bit because then I had something to come back to but I know that uh, I'd I know that it was unsure if I could play again and uh, the doctors and also like coaches were like a little bit like they didn't know and it was hard to find a club after it uh, because no one knew what it was about and how I would play handball with it again. 
but I was lucky to get a club and uh, it just developed a lot after that and yeah I had the, the illness for like five years before I get the stoma uh, and I was I was really sick for for those years up and downs uh, so I think like in the end I was I think I was ready for it because I had been so sick for so many times so I think it was I was clear that it was happen. Uh, of course, it's a lot of change in life in handball, but also like you are 23 when you get it and you get a stoma on your on your belly. Uh, and yes, it's. I think it's in the beginning it was hard. Uh, it was. Uh, I was ready, but it's also different. Uh, but I think all now when I know that I. I think now I understand how how sick I actually was, uh, and now I can do what I want. And uh, yeah, so it's good now. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I see that you're also studying, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you are looking at the effects of uh, stoma on on training, which is something mm-hmm. you're dealing with every day. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a bit of insight into into that maybe, and how you're maybe have to adapt your training to other people in the team or also daily life? Actually, now I don't need to adapt so much uh, because I think, of course, for me as an athlete from before the storm, I have a little bit uh, ahead of like a, a normal person. But but so that has helped that I tried. I tried to, uh, uh, you know, right when I woke up, maybe it's not the best, but I tried to do a sit-up and I, I, I tried to do, a, maybe I go a little ahead of myself sometimes. <laughs> maybe that's a problem with us as athletes, but... Uh, in the beginning, of course, you need to have like um, uh, to take time to just accept that also that you have had a big surgery. But now I don't have actually no kind of uh, no struggle or nothing that stops me when it comes to to working out. Um, but that also comes from like take time and a process from it. You said there as well at the beginning it was difficult to, to get a team to maybe uh, to take a chance or to understand. You also had a, you've come into the national team in the last year and a half. You also moved to Brest, Britannia earlier this year. Is that something that you actively try to sit down with people at the beginning and, and talk about it and say it's okay to, to talk about? Uh, yes. Uh, when I came to the new club, it was like I, the first training I said to everyone because I don't think no one n- knew about it when I came to the new club. So I was like the first training, so no one would be like in the shower, like, what is that? <laughs> so, so I have been open about it from the beginning but uh, it was also hard to find a club because I didn't know how it would be Uh, I just uh, like trusted myself and my ability to do it and like my maybe like that I know that I want to play handball Um, so so in the beginning it was hard to find a club as you said but also uh, I think I maybe showed them <laughs> that it was possible. Uh, was moving, because you were playing in Denmark for a few years before the move, was yes. moving to the continent something you always had in, in mind? 
uh, to Brest. Yes. Uh, France or maybe yeah. another year. Yes, I have uh, al always actually wanted to play in France. Uh, I have no like connection to France yeah. at all, but uh, I always wanted to play there. Uh, so yes, I I I know that I wanted to like play uh, in a, a different country than Sweden. And uh, when I came to Denmark, it was a really big goal for me also. But I knew that I also wanted to try something totally different because Sweden and Denmark is quite close to each other, but culture and all that. But so, yeah, I wanted to try something new to just find a different culture, like handball, but also like people and language and that. So, yeah, I always wanted to do that. You said earlier on that you uh, want to be kind of role model as mm -hmm. well for people who are, who are going through mm -hmm. this through IBD. And mm -hmm. when looking into it, it seems like there are a lot of people doing amazing things afterwards and, and that's championed a lot in, in kind of these smaller groups but not um, and trying to get rid of the stigma of it but there's still not so much mainstream media attention w were there any athletes or people that you looked to or that you found out about four years ago when you uh, when you first had the, the operation uh, I, I didn't know so many at that time I think when I got the stoma I also become more aware of other people uh, so I like become also in a community for it uh, so I have heard a lot of stories when people have written to me and I also write to them uh, so it's it's been like a, a big journey since I got it um, but, but I think that's really like uh, nice to hear when people write and that they thank me for, for me being open because they don't dare to be it. Uh, and I think uh, of course I think everyone should decide if they want to be open about it or not. But I think when I have this possibility also with all the media and I play handball in the national team and not a lot of people <laughs> can do that. or um, uh, So I think I also like when I want to raise awareness for it, I think this is also really good when I have this possibility as I have to do it. Because I saw last year uh, during the, the Olympics, there were like these British organizations, for example, also like posting about you and saying like, follow Jenny Carlson, she's mm -hmm. like our, our personal hero in that regard. And that must be, feel really beautiful. Yes, it is. And uh, it's really nice when it uh, goes to different countries, of course. And uh, so that is really nice to see that it's actually, do, I do something. Uh, and uh, so that is nice. But I also uh, do it because I got the information from others and they help me also. So, so yes, I think that's why I continue also. Nice. And then back to the, well, what's on hand now. You've <laughs> yes. got, uh, you got Denmark tomorrow, a nice Scandinavian derby. You've played in Denmark. A lot of the players either play together at club level or play against each other in the leagues. Mm -hmm. So no real surprises there. You've both seen what you've come up with in the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. So what will make the difference, do you think, tomorrow? Oh, I think it will be a really hard fight tomorrow. Uh, and as you said, we... Uh, we are a lot of people that have played against each other but also with each other and um, I think it will be a really big fight like physical fight also uh, but I think a lot of speed will uh, will be the will be the end to it uh, so I hope we will have the <laughs> the, the biggest uh, in the end but I think I think it yeah the one that has the the, the most in the end 
left in their legs. <laughs> we'll, uh, That's it. That's been a lot of the talk before uh, throughout the whole championship before the game against Slovenia for both teams. They were talking about you know using the speed. Uh, Slovenia managed to shut down Denmark's speed in that way and really control the, the their own backcourt. Uh, they didn't manage it so well against you, uh, but we saw what Denmark were capable of against Serbia. Then uh, how how do you feel without giving too much away? But what what usually dictates which team can actually uh, control the pace of the game and and be the one doing the most running. No, but I think it's almost uh, the defense is really important to have the speed. You need to be good in defense and have really good goalkeepers to to be able to to use the speed. Otherwise, you're not gonna get in the attack for that. So I think that's uh, actually the biggest import, uh, the most important thing. That's the defense because you're able to to run then, uh, and we know that also that that is the first step to to be able to run. Uh, so. But uh, we also know that Denmark is good at it also. So, and as you said, they showed it yesterday and against Serbia that they uh, they really can run also. So, uh, yeah. And personally, do you like that kind of game? Both teams are just going to be running up and down, or do you like a bit more control in the backcourt? No, I like uh, when it's fast, and uh, of course we need to do it under control. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be like uh, some ping pong game. Yeah. But uh, no, I like when it's uh, it's speed. Yes. Danny Carlson, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to Yanni for that. Uh, really fascinating stuff. And uh, I hope you learned something from that as well. And as we said, you can follow Athlete with Stoma on Instagram to learn more. And uh, leads us nicely into the Group B final, the Scandinavian Derby between Sweden and Denmark. Something I think most of us expected would be the group final, but in a very different circumstance to what we expected beforehand. Uh, because there's very important main round points on the line. Denmark, despite being so impressive against Serbia, could go into the main round with nothing. It's crazy that it can they can go in with nothing or they can potentially go in with four points if, <laughs> if Serbia uh, beats Slovenia in the other game, which I think is probably unlikely. But, you know, I think that's going to be tight anyway. Sweden have been super impressive. Denmark... In their game against Serbia, every single Danish outfield player scored. Uh, first time that's happened in this tournament. I, I don't remember too many times that happening in, in history. Um, but it was very impressive. I have no idea which way it's going to go, to be honest. So, there you go. <laughs> it's it's hard to break it down in a way because, as Yeni said, you know, whichever team will have the most left in the legs will will win this of course there's so many different factors but both teams really have have shown they're at their best when they're flowing in attack and counterattacks so whichever one can can somehow manage to make that happen and and defense as well uh yeah really hard to predict it's uh, it's going to be hopefully will be a cracking game it could be the most entertaining and uh, spectacle we'll have so far yeah i think the two big standout games for for the eight would be then obviously Slovenia, Serbia, Denmark, Sweden. Both commentated by Chris O'Reilly oh, on EHF TV. And so that's fortunate, fortunate uh, for me. <laughs> the last games I'll commentate at this championship. Going out on a high. Sad violin music. <laughs> <laughs> Tragedy. Had to get that in at some point. If you want to hear more games commentated by Chris O'Reilly, please write to EHF at... <laughs> <laughs> Norway, Hungary... I'm not. I can't see Hungary pulling off a, a surprise against uh, Norway, and I think Switzerland. 
yeah, Switzerland have enjoyed themselves so far. Been a pink, I think a bit better than most people yes. expected, to be honest. Maybe not in the Norway game, but no, they've been. Yeah, everyone can look terrible against Norway. Now, Switzerland are, are they're playing they're playing good handball. They're they're getting they got beat by a better team, but they're not they're not trying to you know cut the corners, which I think is really the right way to go for them. So fair dues to Switzerland and their young seventeen year old Emma Neger scored her three goals against three lobs against uh, Celia Solberg fulfilling her childhood dream I mean childhood dream I mean probably it's only still, been two yeah, years still ago. a child, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still a child. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great great interview uh, where she did uh, she got interviewed uh, after that game and they asked her you know how does it feel playing you know what was it like playing against Norway and she was just like all I was thinking when scoring that goal was I can't believe I, I just scored against Solberg like that was what was going through her mine so it's uh that's great it's an amazing moment she's she's gonna be a star what about you alex uh what games in the the final round of matches in the preliminary round are you looking forward to it's gotta be it's gotta be netherlands france yeah it's one of those kind of let's see what these teams actually have in them um they haven't been fully tested um so far and then i think the i, I want to see germany again uh, and that that a test of the two teams that have disappointed me, Germany and Spain. Which one of them will disappoint me less in that third <laughs> match day and go through to the main round? That also a potentially very important game in terms of uh, getting to the main round. So there's still only Montenegro is through in that group. So still a lot of uh, there's still hope for Spain in all of this, despite their losses to date and. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some drama, that's for sure. If something we've learned already in the last few days is going to be some drama, I have a feeling it could happen in Slovenia, Serbia, that's for sure. I think uh, Germany and Spain will provide that as well. And uh, while we have Denmark, Sweden and France and Netherlands will be uh, just two hopefully really entertaining games and kind of like preliminary quarterfinals already. The road to the semifinal really begins uh, in this next round because there's crucial matches there good to already be leading up to the medal game so early in the championship yeah we're really just getting started now this is where it starts to get all gets all juicy now before we go which player has impressed you most of this championship so far i have a better question if we're if we're going to pick the mvp if it was going to stop right now i mean it's the same question but i think this is just sounds i feel like that's exactly the same question <laughs> <laughs> no, impressed you most is is very like personally. I just mean I'm going to give them an award, but this is more like okay. If you if you had to vote right now and the competition stopped today for whatever reason and you had to award someone a trophy for it, who would you award as MVP? Top of my head, Georgini Jokovic. It's a good one. What about you, Alex? It, to answer Brian's question, it would probably be uh, Cleopatra Darlo because France have been insanely dominant and. She has been insanely dominant. So that that's for me. It was a better question, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> for what, for what? If you're answering if you're if you're answering my question, what would the answer be? Yeah, who impressed you most? And to answer uh, oh, geez, <laughs> who impressed me most. It's it's kind of tough because there's a couple of players that impressed me a lot and then uh didn't have great follow-up mm-hmm. games. Uh, so yeah, I think Yamina Roberts 
probably impressed me because she she's been consistent in the two and had an insanely insanely good second game. I, I was going to use Yamina Roberts to answer Brian's question, uh, but to to answer my question, uh, also in my my group, Katrina Hindale in that second game was an absolute animal. Like she is, she seems to be in the best physical shape of her life, and she lets Serbia know it. I think that's going to really show as the tournament goes on. A good point on Katrina Heindel's, uh physical strength, because in a oh, yeah. interview with TV2 that you, you you sent us, they tested the two coaches of uh, Denmark, who are uh, Jesper Jensen and Lars Jorgensen, and tested them in their strength against the Danish women's team. They compared the coaches' strength to the players. And one of these coaches is, of course, Lars Jorgensen, who is 192 centimeters tall and 104 kilograms in weight. And he was, and the only Danish team player that was stronger than him was Heindel. Mm. So that shows you exactly uh, how much power she has to push around and tackle and take down a few people <laughs> in this tournament. So that's... Uh, and Jesper Jensen was in which place? Do you remember? And Jesper Jensen was in eighth place <laughs> in overall compared to the, the team, <laughs> which he, he was a little bit embarrassed about. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope the players are using that against him now. Like, nah, careful, Jesper, I'll beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I can bench more than you, pal. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Do you reckon that's why they lost? They lost the dressing room a bit. They don't respect him anymore. <laughs> 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 just pushing him around. They're just like this guy. Eight. <laughs> Some wingers nudging him in the back. Coming to get you. Uh, well, time will tell against Sweden. I think we can wrap it up there, shall we? Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Take care of yourself and au revoir. <laughs>